0: Well, our church has been on a journey over the past few weeks to find sort of the true authentic meaning of Christmas. Uh, You probably agree that our culture has taken Christmas and diluted it from its original intent, its original message. There are so many things that have replaced uh, the things that are really true and right about uh, the Christmas narrative, about what's in this book, and so on, the, on our way to finding this authentic Christmas, we have s- it narrowed it on uh, four specific words, simple words, peace, love, joy, and hope. And over the last three Sundays, we have journeyed through peace, love, joy, and then today we're going to land on hope, finding hope at Christmas. Hope is very powerful. Right now, there are people hoping that the sermon will be short tonight. Amen? All right. Hope is what kept the Atlanta Braves alive during the postseason on their way to winning the World Series. Amen? Okay. Me and uh, two of my sons were in the battery at the stadium for game five of the World Series. And if you've ever been to the battery, the battery they're the free seats, right? And so we had to go a little early, and we can kind of hear what's in the stadium and everything. But, uh, but the energy was, was there, especially in the first inning as Adam Duvall hit the Grand Slam. And, of course, that hope powered them. Of course, I know they lost that game on Halloween, Game 5, but they went on and won it in Game 6. And that really powered them into hope that they can win that World Series. We live with hope in almost every day of our lives. Hope comes in many forms, whether it's hoping you'll receive that that special Christmas present, hoping you would one day see a loved one that has passed and gone to heaven. But one of the most important displays of, of hope came together during that Christmas narrative. As we look into the story, I want us to answer this question, how can I find hope this Christmas? And I believe the most powerful Display of hope in the Christmas story surrounds a journey of the wise men to see Jesus. And as we read about that, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you have your copy of God's word, you could turn to Matthew chapter 2. Now, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. If you don't have this, you have it on your phone. That's great. You can use this in any way. It's a word of God. Uh, But if you don't have either of those, we have it on the screen. But just know this, the word of God, as I speak it, it's powerful. And it is my prayer that it seeks into your heart as it has sunk into mine as I have prepared this. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 2. This, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So before we talk about the journey of the wise men, who were these wise guys anyway? What's the, the profile of them? Well, first of all, we have a few misconceptions about the wise men. One misconception is that there were three of them. Not necessarily, but the Bible doesn't say there were three of them. There were some traditions uh, that, and obviously there were three gifts, so one could maybe assume that there were a three of them. But even if there were three, they were probably um, brought in by a large group of people. It wasn't just three guys, it was probably several people. And um, the other misconception is they were kings. They were not kings, they were uh, wise men, they were magi uh, from the east. And um, they, the other misconception is that they were there at the birth of Jesus. Actually, their visit came several months after the birth of Christ. And now, where were they from? The wise men were from the east, most likely Persia, which is modern-day Iran. They traveled about 1,000 miles to see Jesus. Now, that is a road trip, right? Donkeys, camels. 1,000 miles in the desert. And what did they do for a living? So what made them wise men? They were part of a class of scholars named the Magi. They were ancient interpreters of dreams. They also studied the stars. We see them in the Bible in the court of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. The Babylonian Empire was eventually conquered by Persia. And these same wise men continued. Did they have foreknowledge of the birth of Christ? Well, they did actually have uh, some foreknowledge of the birth of Christ. And and we we get to see several examples of the reason why they had foreknowledge. For instance, in the book of Daniel, most likely the Magi knew of the writings of the prophet Daniel, who in time past had been the chief of the Magi in Persia. So Daniel was a wise Jew, was taken captive at a young age, uh, during the first exile to Babylon. And so remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den? Remember that famous story? That, that's the same Daniel. So Daniel had been the most respected of all the wise men in the courts of Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel was also a prophet. In fact, the book of Daniel, chapter 9, includes a prophecy that says the Messiah would come as prince of Egypt 483 years after the Persian Empire gave the commandment to the Jews to go back and rebuild Jerusalem, and so the Magi, which Daniel was a part of the Magi, the wise men, they would have these writings of Daniel. Also, the Magi were probably aware of the prophecy of Balaam, who was from the town near Persia. We see this in, in, in uh, Numbers twenty-four seventeen. Don't need to turn there; it's just one verse. It says, "I see him, but not now." I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Balaam's prophecy, which is in Numbers in the, in the five, first five books of the Bible, okay, and, and what is called the Torah of, of the Jewish scriptures, Balaam's prophecy specifically mentions a star coming out of Jacob. So the wise men, they would have access to these writings because Numbers was part of God's word in the Jews whenever they were in Persia. So they would have these writings. Uh, Dan, I mean, the, the children of Israel brought them who were in exile to Persia and, or to Babylon, which eventually came Persia, and then the writings of Daniel and the prophecy of Daniel. So put it all together. It would easily be possible for the Persian magi, as the promised day came near, to put these prophecies of Balaam and Daniel together and thus be watching for his star, To appear. None of this would have been possible if God did not allow the Jews to be captured and exiled to another country. For over 70 years. You know, it kind of reminds me of the um, illustration in in the movie Back to the Future 2. Have you ever seen the movie Back to the Future 2, the whole series? Um, There's a point uh, there towards the end of Back to the Future 2 where Doc is in uh, the DeLorean in the time machine, and he gets struck by lightning, and right in front of Marty's eyes, and he basically disappears. And just a few minutes later, A man from Western Union delivers a letter dating all the way back from 1885, where Doc just got zapped to. The letter is from Doc with instructions on where the time machine is hidden in order to come back and save him. Western Union had been holding on to this letter with the date, time, and location for over 70 years. If you remember that, so it's kind, of, it's kind of like what the Magi had. They had this, this, these prophecies and they had these, these instructions and they were able to put everything together. Now, what about this situation, this story, this journey of the wise men, and how does it apply to us? How does this apply to you and me as we try to find our hope at Christmas and even beyond Christmas? How do we find our hope? What do do the wise men teach us in this journey? First of all, we find this. They watch for the signs. They watch for the signs. This journey of hope was birthed out of the wise men watching for certain signs. They studied the scriptures and watched the night sky. For hundreds of years, the order of the Magi had known of this hope. Your journey of hope begins by watching for the signs. God is moving in the events around your life. I, don't want, I want to make sure you understand this, okay? We're moving kind of away from their story and how it applies to your story and my story, okay? God is moving in your life with certain signs, And all you need to do is you need to watch for them because God is speaking. God is trying to get your attention. In fact, the the fact that you're here tonight could very well be God moving in your life. And as you watch for those signs, watch for, for something new in your life, how is God speaking? What are others saying to you? What are others speaking to your life? Pay attention to those things. It's stuff like this that gets us distracted, and we don't, we don't see God working as much, but it doesn't mean he's not working. It doesn't mean he's not moving, he's not speaking, because he is. We are just a little bit distracted from those things. So what have you been reading? Who, what things have people been speaking to you What new people have come into your life that could be a sign that God is doing something in you? So, number one, they watch for the signs. On your journey of hope, my journey of hope, we got to watch for the signs. Number two, leave the familiar. The wise men left the familiar and comfortable lives in Persia to travel a great distance. Why? It's all because of hope. Everybody say hope. Okay, true hope will make you want to move from your current familiar situation to something different, okay? I don't want to make sure you, you, you miss that. True hope will make you move from your current familiar situation to something different. True hope, that's the power of hope. Hope is very, very powerful. And so we see this in many examples of, of our life. A young couple will leave their families, and familiar, uh, familiar lives of, uh, and to begin a journey of marriage all because of hope. The hope of maybe raising a family, starting a family, creating a beautiful life together. Just people getting married is, is a great example of the hope that you have in a new life. It'll make someone move from their current familiar, comfortable situation to something different. Maybe there's things in your life you can, you can look back to. Maybe it's a job change or maybe uh, bringing children uh, into the world or, or maybe adopting children uh, or bringing them to your life. Whatever the story may be, but, but there is hope there. And that hope calls you to go from one familiar, comfortable place to another place. So if you want to have your journey of hope, you watch for the signs And you leave the familiar. You've got to be able to leave the familiar. If it's true hope, it's going to cause you to leave the familiar. And the third and final thing we see that the um, wise men do, they give something away. They give something away. The wise men show us to give something away as part of their journey of hope. The gifts they offered were gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What do you need to give away on your journey of hope? What do you need to give away? Maybe you need peace in your finances. Maybe you could be hoping for a change in your, in your certain financial situation. You see the signs in your, in your bank account, <laughs> right? You see the, the red, not the black. See more of those reds and blacks. You see, maybe see those signs. Maybe the Lord is calling you to lead the familiar, comfortable world of, of, of overspending in certain areas, For your journey of hope to be complete, you will need to give something away. You will need to be able to make certain sacrifices and say, you know what? If I really want there to be hope in my finances, I need to be able to give something away. In other words, I need to be able to give away my desires for certain things or my wants for certain things. I need to lower the price tag on what I expect. Maybe it could be your health changes in your health. Maybe you've seen signs in your, in your health that God is showing you. Uh, about, gosh, a year and a half ago or more, God was, God was dealing with me. There were signs in my health. I was having all kinds of health issues and everything, and, um, and, and I had to leave the familiar land of, of sweets. <laughs> and, and, it, and it just, it really breaks my heart because especially this time of year, there's a whole bunch of cookies out there that I would just love to bite into, you know, but it would cause me major issues in my life, and I don 't do this because i'm disciplined, I do it because I'm tired of hurting, and so I had to lead the comfortable world of eating certain things and and now I'm in a kind of a different world, and why? Because I wanted hope, I wanted hope for a better health because my health was dragging me down. It was causing issues. I wasn't able to sleep. I wasn't be able to relax. I wasn't able to pastor and to shepherd like I really wanted to. And just within the uh, really the past several months, I've really seen the, the benefits of that. And again, it's not because of certain discipline in my life, because I'm not a great disciplined person <laughs> in my life. But I do know this, that if there's some, something maybe going on in your health, maybe you see certain signs and you got to leave the land of whatever that familiar, that comfortable place is, and you need to give up something. You need to give something away, whatever it is. It could even be a relationship in your life that is causing some issues. You know, it's amazing what unforgiveness and bitterness can do to a person's body. You see the signs of, of maybe misery is caused by this, by this certain relationship in your life. And it's time to leave the familiar feelings of bitterness and unforgiveness, trying to leave that familiar and that comfortable. It's so easy to just stay in there and sulk into that. But God is saying, no, 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 that is not what you need to be. You need to be over here. And so you need to leave that. You need to go on a journey of hope, hope of a better relationship in your life because that relationship is dragging you down. And so it's time to give something away. Maybe you need to give an apology. Maybe verbally or maybe with 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 a, a text, a simple text or, or a note card, something an apology. Maybe you need to offer forgiveness or maybe just simply love. But I do know this, Whatever the situation is, and we could talk all night about different scenarios in our lives, but the wise men tell us and they show us how to start and how to go through and how to end that journey of hope. Watch for the signs. Watch for the way God is moving, God is speaking in your life because He is. He's watching for the signs. Number two, leave the familiar. You've got to leave the comfortable and the familiar. And number three, give something away. Give something away, offer something. Offer something. What in your life is God speaking to you right now that you need to go on a journey of hope? Is it a relationship, is it a marriage, is it finances, is it health, is it a different kind of relationship? Maybe it could be your relationship with God. Maybe God is calling you to to hope a newer life and hope in him. Maybe that's it. Hope is very powerful. This is my first Christmas without my mother. My mother passed away unexpectedly this past April. And I live with great hope that she's in heaven with Jesus and that I will see her again. And I have hope because she has placed her life in Jesus, she lived for him, and there could be people here today, maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe you know they're gonna, you're gonna see them in heaven, and that just brings you greater hope, and it even causes you to point like, if I die, that's, that's just gain. God's going to take care of my family here. That's just gain. Look what I get to gain. Paul, The Apostle Paul even talks about it, that in God's word. But the most important journey of hope that you can take is new life in Christ, new life in Jesus. I believe he has been communicating with you, whether here live or online. Jesus has been communicating with you. Circumstances in your life? certain invitations certain conversations certain scripture passages he has been communicating with you just look for the signs see see how he has been doing that but in order for you to follow christ you need to leave the old life you need to leave the familiar you need to leave that familiar And you need to be able to give something away. Now, you don't need to earn your salvation. Salvation is a free gift. Jesus offered his life freely. But here's what you do need to give up. You need to to give up your pride. Pride is the thing that stands in the way the most when it comes to accepting Christ as Savior. And so you need to be able to, to give up that pride and to be able to offer up a confession. Say, God, I'm so sorry for the things I've done. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, be Lord of my life. The best hope that you and I have is new life in Jesus Christ. Could it be that you watching online, or you right here, the invitation you received, could it be a sign that God wants you to take that step of faith right here, right now? Are you ready to leave the familiar, the comfortable? Yeah, I know it's kind of like stepping over a ledge, but that's why it's called faith. And then, are you ready to give up your pride? Are you ready to surrender your life to him? Every head bowed, every eye closed as we close out the service today and go on to the end of our service with our candlelight. But this, this right here is the most important part of what we're doing here tonight. I just want to make sure that that, that you have an opportunity to... Um, to just get right with the Lord. Maybe you have, have, a, have accepted Christ as Savior in your life, and but maybe, maybe you just feel really far away from him right now. Maybe you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter. I am just seem far away from God. I need to be drawn closer to him. So all that takes is this, a simple prayer, something like this. Say, God, I'm ready to lead the familiar. I'm ready to lead the comfortable and come to you. I give up my rights to myself. I give up my rights to my desires. I give up my pride. Draw me closer to you. Help me bring bring me closer to you, Father, as I trust in you as Lord and Savior and walk with you. And if you're here today and you have never Accepted Christ as Savior. You never have walked that line of faith and crossed over that line and said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. If you've never done that today, what I want you to do is really simple. With no one looking around, if you're ready to just, we're not going to make you stand up or whatever. You're just going to say a simple prayer right there at your seat. But if you are ready to make that decision, then then really simple, just say this prayer with me um, right here, right now. Say, dear God. Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe Jesus died for me. Please forgive me my sin. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I want to live for you. I choose you, Jesus. And no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you would just simply, just simply raise your hand up, it doesn't matter what hand, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, if you just want to simply raise your hand and let us know, just let me know of that. Amen. Good. Thank you so much. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the new life we have in you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into the world, leaving your comfortable, you're familiar of heaven and coming down into this world. And you showed us, just like the wise men, you gave something up. You gave your life for us. And we want to thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you for the cross, and thank you for the manger. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And if you prayed that prayer, and you raise your hand for the first time here today, or maybe you're watching online, I would love to know about that. And so we got an easy way to do that. If you're here today, you could just let me know in the lobby. And if you're watching here today or or here today, you can send me an email. It's real simple. Just send it to pastor at lakepointonline.com. Uh, Or you could send it to Frank, frank at lakepointonline.com. And just send me an email, say, I accepted Jesus as the Savior, and I'll reach back with you, and we will uh, make sure we uh, follow up with that.